is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 450, recorded on Thursday, September the 26th, 2019. 450. Yeah, 450, and we're not going to celebrate it in any particular way. All right, then. I mean, we've had plenty of other half-century episodes over the years, so what's so special about this one? Well, we should we should celebrate every episode. Well, really. of course, celebrate every, every episode. Every episode is a mi- miracle of modern technology. <laughs> you may be right about that. Not so, quality entertainment necessarily, but modern technology is uh, makes this all possible. So modern technology, definitely. Quality entertainment, occasionally. Correct. All right. Perfect. I think I've got it. Uh, we celebrate every episode in our own special way. So 450 is just 450. It's uh, halfway between 400 and 500. And I think the next you know, celebratory episode might be 500. Okay. Yeah. 500 is half a thousand. I don't know if you know that, but it is. Wow. I'm glad you pointed that out. Otherwise I would have just ignored it. Yeah. We're uh, halfway through this 100. That'll get us halfway through a thousand. Very good. All right. Well, uh, now that we've got that ridiculousness out of the way, we are here to talk about season five, episode 15 of Fear the Walking Dead. Is the It is the second to last episode penultimate, as it were, for the season, that is, not forever, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, yeah. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that, I think. So let's get started, Jason. Um, why don't we uh, start here with our title read. This is Lee and St. Catharines coming to you live from the Channel 5 newsroom. We have some new outbreaks on our ongoing story of Fear of the Walking Dead. Now to go to our field correspondents, Jason and Chris, to tell us what happened. Thank you very much, Lee in St. Catharines. I actually have another title read, Jason, but I'm going to save it for the end. I'm going to take the unprecedented step and play it at the end of the podcast instead of the beginning. Um, I think think it's just more appropriate at the end for some reason. That's a a good point. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Are you even paying attention? (laughs) Uh, Sort of. My wife decided that she needed to print something just now, and so I was distracted by the loud noise in the background that sort of sounded like a jet engine to me. So so I understand what you're saying, and I accept it. And I think that I'm looking forward to uh, the title read uh, later on in this episode. Oh, wonderful. Very, very good. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'm a, a field correspondent, though. I don't feel like I'm in the field. No. Because I'm in a basement. No. So are you. Yes, so am I. We are basement correspondents, that's for sure. But field correspondence is in my blood a little bit. My dad was a journalist, and he used to run around Toronto covering stories all over the city, fires, you know, police activity, any news, they would send him to to it, radio journalism. Yeah, I remember, you know what my my fondest memory of your father is? No. (laughs) I didn't know you had any. I did. I have I have one memory of your father, and it kind of blew me away. We were at your cottage in 2005, in August, uh, July and August of 2005, building a trebuchet. Mm-hmm. And your parents came for uh, a little while. I'm not sure whether it was one night or two nights. It might have been a little bit later. I'm not sure if this was the actual 
uh, trebuchet building, but we're at your cottage anyway. And your dad came out of the cabin or came out of the cottage with a notepad and he was reading stuff that he heard on the radio about a, an airplane that had uh, run off the end of the runway during a storm, uh, at Pearson airport. And he was, uh, he was reporting what he had heard. And he had his uh, his notepad, and he was reading from the notes that he had taken, and it came across as like a, a genuine news report. And I was blown away by uh, just that simple act of him relaying the information. That's funny. That would have been right around the time I do remember that now. I don't remember the notepad, but I remember him coming out of the of the door and saying something like, "A plane just crashed at the airport. Pearson Airport is the Toronto airport." Yeah, and I don't know if he said crashed or if he actually said ran off, like slid off the runway in the storm in a storm or something. But I remember him coming out, and I just don't remember the notepad. But if that was two thousand and five, that would have been right around the time he retired. So he may actually not have been retired yet. Oh, okay. Or he had just retired and he was still in like news reporter mode. I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was great. It, just so everybody knows, I believe everybody got off the plane okay. It caught on fire, but after everybody got off. Because it was a rainstorm, it got struck by lightning, the, the pilot landed late, it ran off the end of the runway, and there's a uh, kind of a gully there, ran down the gully, and then everybody got out, and then the plane burned down. Air France, if I remember correctly. I, I believe think. so, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, well, that's that's fun. Now that you mentioned that, I do remember that too, but my dad was a reporter for a long time for the CBC Radio News, and uh, you could hear him reading the national news on the air. And it used to be funny when I went to school and teachers would recognize my name, and then they'd, they'd say something like, how come I know that name is, is, you know, and I'd say, well, my dad's on the radio and everyone would go, oh my gosh, you're, you're famous. I'm like, no, not, not really. My dad's just on the radio. It's the way it there is. There you go. <laughs> and if, if memory serves me correctly, he has never listened to an episode of this podcast. Oh, he's listened to bits and oh, pieces. He has. He, oh, he's never listened to the entire thing, an entire okay. episode though. It, okay. it kind of helps if you watch The Walking Dead, which he does not. So. Right. Anyways, he does ask right. me about it almost weekly. Though. Really? That's he, nice. He does. He wants to know. He calls it a radio show, and he always wants to know if we're still doing the radio show. Nice. And I have to tell him we are. Sometimes more <laughs> often, sometimes less often, but still going strong. Ten years. <laughs> still talking on the internet. That's right. Okay, let's move on. The ratings for Season 5, Episode 15, which was called Channel 5, were about on par with what they've been for a while. 1.34 million. Mm-hmm. Not really up that much, not really down that much, um, right right down the center where they've been for a while. So, huh. yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's start here with a little bit of feedback from listeners to get the ball rolling. This first one is a call from Jonathan. Hello, lads. Jonathan here from West Hollywood. Is this now a show that was created by Gen Xers and is now written by millennials? It's complete with filters, inspirational quotes, power of the press, and whose video gets more likes. The villains are no longer bad older men, but rather remind me of a too young influencer manager terrorizing her employees. When they arrived at Humboldt Gulch, my first reaction was excellent. We're going to see them clear the place, but no, they instantly called for help. I would have been right there with Dwight, out of here. Thank you, Jonathan, for that. Now, speaking of radio, Jonathan's got a pretty nice radio voice there. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. <laughs> um, what do you think about this idea that the show used to be written by 
Gen Xers who are, you know, you and me, we're, we're in that age group. Mm-hmm. And now maybe it's written by millennials and the show has changed to reflect that different sort of, uh, life attitude. Well, so I think that's an interesting idea. I, I kind of, I'm shying away from it, uh, mentally because, uh, if it's, if they, if that change has been made, then wouldn't the audience that's watching it also change? And if that's the case, why are the ratings lower than they used to be? Because uh, I don't think there's less millennials than there are Gen Xers. Uh, but I, I have no idea, to be fair. Uh, but uh, And if that's the case, that the audience has changed, uh, does that mean that because you and I are Gen Xers, that our audience tends to be Gen Xers and we don't have any millennials listening? Well, I don't know. Before I think about that, I, I don't think it necessarily means the audience would have changed if the writing staff has changed. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe the writing staff has approached this show from a different sort of life stage and the audience hasn't changed. And therefore, you know, we just don't get it anymore because we're too old. You know, I mean, that can happen. Well, it's already starting to happen. I can feel it. I can feel the, you know, the, my finger on the pulse of uh, pop culture slipping. Less and less I, every day, I'm, right? I'm, I'm not as able to feel the pulse uh, as I used to. And hmm. uh, yeah, it, it, things are slipping away. I, you know, I don't understand things as well. It's like, why are they doing that? What, uh, why does this technology, like there's a whole bunch of technology that I have no interest in. Right. And I, I understand that. And it's not that I don't understand it. It's not just that I don't understand it. It's that I don't care about it and therefore don't want to understand it. You're talking that about. Makes, I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about the internet, talking about my phone. I'm talking about all kinds of stuff. It's like when your dad asks you, you still doing that radio show? Yeah. It's not quite the radio dad, but I understand what you're, ta- what you're saying. Sure. Yeah. He, he, exactly. He doesn't listen to podcasts, really. He knows what they are, but he still listens to terrestrial radio constantly and yeah. also streaming radio. So he doesn't listen to the podcast version of say a CBC show. He actually listens to the show as it's streaming online. There's something about that too. Like I listen to a lot of radio, like specifically CBC. Yeah. And there's something about catching a radio show on that's way more entertaining than just, uh, you know, getting the latest episode of a podcast. Well, there's something to be said about that. I, I suppose there is, but you may feel that way because you are of a certain age. And I just, I think, think it's an interesting thing to think about that, you know, the, a show can be created by people of an entirely different generation than you. And I don't yeah. think that necessarily makes it unenjoyable for you because it can work, obviously. Yeah. Um, but maybe it doesn't always work that way. And if they really take an approach that's from a perspective that you aren't a part of, right, that's not a part of your current life experience, it, it might affect your ability to enjoy that, that content, you know? Yeah. Okay. So there might be three different things going on here. Uh, one is that if the writing staff has changed uh, to the point where the, the style of the show has changed, if that, that's one thing that could possibly be happening. Mm-hmm. If the style of the show has changed, but the marketing of the show hasn't, then that means that that is a problem. Yep. Right. So maybe that's the problem is that the, the writing has changed, but it still has the same audience and that's, that's no good. Like we, 
you either go back or get rid of your current audience. Yeah. So I prefer going back personally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also not opposed to getting rid of me. Yeah. Well, at this point, I'm like, well, you know, if they're asking me to stop watching the show, I'm not entirely opposed to that. Okay. Well, we might talk about that more next week on the podcast. Um, right now. The third I thing, sorry. The third thing oh. is that uh, if you start a show being written by millennials for millennials, that is definitely out of my sphere of interest. I see. Right. right. There's lots of shows, lots of shows out there right now that are aimed at an audience that is most definitely not me. Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Yeah, of right? course. And there's plenty that are aimed at you, I'd say too. So it's not like you have any shortage of things to ingest. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, we're still living in a pretty much, a, not pretty much, we're still living in a golden age of television. Like mm -hmm. We have been for a long time. It's been like 10, 12 years now that television has been really good. Yeah, I think a lot of people, and we're, we're getting off on a tangent here, but I think a lot of people kind of credit the golden age of TV beginning with Lost when it premiered. That's what I'm thinking. That's exactly what I'm thinking. And just, just this week was the 15th anniversary of the premiere of, Lo of Lost. So it's been oh. 15 years. Yeah. Wow. And I didn't even watch Lost when it first started. I didn't start watching Lost until the DVDs came out. Oh, wow. No, I watched it from day one live broadcast. And honestly, it was just a fluke. I may have said this before, but we were flipping around the channels. We had cable back then. And we came across, uh, you know, just as it was starting, this show about a plane crash. And people were like scrambling around on a beach. And my wife said, oh, I heard about this. Maybe we should check it out. And... We watched a bit and the rest was history. <laughs> yeah. I watched, I think I saw part of the pilot live, but I was doing something else. Like I, I don't even know what it was. Probably smoking. Probably, <laughs> probably. Like, I need to go out for a smoke, so I'm not going to watch this show. You were outside watching it through the window while you were smoking. <laughs> yeah. It was probably in Dave's room because I was living with Dave at the time. There you go. Back but, in uh, the old days. So I, maybe if this show is being written by millennials now, they need to... Uh, they need to fix that. They need to go back mm -hmm. and get some Gen Xers uh, working on the show again. I think I think they maybe should, yeah. Or or embrace it, move forward, and target the advertising at the right audience. Because I, maybe that's, like you said, is maybe that's the problem. Does that mean that if they did have the right audience and this was aimed at millennials, that millennials would like this garbage? <laughs> well, that's basically <laughs> what we're saying, yeah. Like... There, there's a segment of the, true. there's a segment of the population that may, this may be their thing, uh, but it's just not us. That can't be right. This is objectively bad. All right. Well, let's, let's move on then, because I've got an email here from Laura in Charlotte, North Carolina. Laura writes, okay, honestly, if I see another video, sorry, if I see another camera video or Virginia one more time, I'm quitting this show. I can't stand either. And it's on my last damn nerve. This season is completely off the rails. And then kind of on the other side of the fence, but not really, is Jennifer in Minneapolis who writes, okay, so I hate Ginny and the Settlers. I hate the whole Alicia painting trees thing. And I hate Al's documentary filmmaking. However, I strangely really like this episode. <laughs> I, I love the bridge sequence. And the segment where Al gets attacked while finding medical equipment was really kind of terrifying. I was sad to see Tom go, though I wonder how they rescued his death tape. I'm glad there wasn't a happy ending, and I love the fact that Dwight walked away. He's been there, done that. So I well, say- he's our- Okay, go ahead. 
I was just going to say Jennifer sort of straddled both sides of the fence there a little bit because of all the stuff off the top she hated. And when I first read that, I'm like, yeah, but what else was there? <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you hate all that stuff, there wasn't, wasn't a lot else going on. Well, there was, yeah, there was the one shining moment in this whole episode. Okay. Well, right? it was when John Dory asked uh, Morgan to be his best man. Oh, that was funny because it was a joke. It was. And it's <laughs> Der- Der- uh, Garrett Dillahunt uh, is completely underutilized in this, this show. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. What I meant is that was good because it was a joke. I mean, it was also yeah. funny, but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that part too. I did find um, a couple of other things I liked in the episode, but in case you haven't figured it out, everybody, for the most part, I thought this was garbage. <laughs> it was garbage. <laughs> it was just I'm sorry. Terrible. I agree with you this week, which is nice. And and I, you know, we started this podcast all those years ago to watch a show and hopefully celebrate it and have fun talking about it even when it's not great but hopefully it's mostly good all the time fear the walking dead hasn't been good for a long time and this episode was i'd say pretty close to rock bottom at at least compared to what we've had you know for two years now yeah and you know this occurred to me a while ago and i haven't really been voicing it and this week I feel like I have to voice it, that uh, if we weren't doing this podcast about this show, I don't think I'd watch it. All right. Well, you've got one more for season uh, five. Yeah. I would, I, I would have given up on this show earlier this season. Like, if I was just watching this for enjoyment, uh, I wouldn't be watching it. Yeah. Even though we've had a, a, a run where it, it sounds like you haven't really been all that negative on them, but I mean... You know, just not being negative isn't necessarily positive either. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Well, we've got uh, more videos, of course. This, a good good, uh, proportion of this episode was all video camera stuff shot by the characters in the show. And it even now extends to Virginia making her own video basically a competing video with the one that Al made to, you know, help or find people to help. So we've got competing videos. Okay. We've got, yes, we do. So uh, the way I'm looking at it, the, so the, the history is uh, our group of survivors make a PSA documentary and release it. So Ginny decides that she's going to steal that and makes her own PSA documentary mm-hmm. and releases it. So our group of survivors says, well, we can't let that stand. We really have to rebel. So they make their own response PSA documentary Uh and plan on releasing it. Yep. So we have the battle of the PSA documentaries in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. This is what these showrunners think is a good idea, Jason. This is what they think is an interesting plot and compelling TV. So- I don't and know this how. this takes place in what year? 2009? No, 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 no. It 2000. T- the, no, but, but the zombie apocalypse happened in 2009. 2010, so we're taking, I think. 2010. Okay. Or a few years so, in, at least. Nobody's using phones. That's, that's, I guess that's my point, is that they're still using video cameras and nobody's making documentaries using handheld phones because back in 2010, did we have those? When did the iPhone come out? Well, they didn't have, phones didn't have, certainly didn't have the capabilities they do now, yeah. nine, ten years ago. Okay. 
So yeah, so they're they're still using they're using digital. Well, uh, not are they digital? They're digital cameras, but they're recording to tape. I think right? so. Yeah, it looks like it. Okay, because they're not recording to memory cards. No, they they may be recording to digital videotapes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's the battle of the documentaries, and uh, it's dumb. They're trying to survive the zombie apocalypse. So what the fuck are they making documentaries for? Yeah. And fighting over them. It's so dumb. Um, it, it feel, it, and, and watching it, it feels like you're watching actors like trying to make a documentary instead of watching something that you're supposed to believe is real. If you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like you're it- watching people make a movie about the zombie apocalypse instead of watching a TV show that takes place in the zombie apocalypse. And, but that can be good. If you ever seen, um, oh, what's the name of that movie? Uh, I think it might be American movie or American something where the, it was about these guys making a horror film called Coven. Do you remember um, that? Yeah, that's American movie. That's right. American movie. So that, you know, it's a documentary about some filmmakers making a horror movie. Uh-huh. And that was, you know, an actual documentary about these actual filmmakers making a a horror movie and the movie it's just these guys are a dumpster fire of movie makers <laughs> and but the documentary is fascinating sure right so they can this kind of this structure can be good this television show using that structure is not uh you know it's not it's it's definitely not but it and it just feels off to me when you're watching it it doesn't feel like the making of the making of something right it just feels all wrong and I've been trying to ignore it but just the idea that even in this world that they have the resources to create and edit these videos together and put them out around the place and just all the equipment that takes and the power and the time and everything it's just so stupid it's bonkers stupid that yeah. that they they have the ability to do all this right like Back then, I, I don't know for sure, but it was just the, the early dawn of like home video editing, right? I don't know when Final Cut Pro came out or any of those other programs, but they don't have any of that stuff at their disposal. They're, they're, it seems like Al is cutting tapes together and playing she, one. She, she's copying from one uh, yeah. video camera to another. Oh. Right? It's like ed, it's inline editing in the worst possible way. And all on battery power, apparently, right? They have an unlimited supply of batteries. But I guess well, if they have an unlimited supply of walkies, why not camera batteries? Well, okay. Have you ever tried to carry enough batteries to run a uh, a large video camera for a day? That would weigh a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. And you wouldn't even get that much time out of it. I mean. No, you're... you wouldn't. And to compound that, this has been years since those batteries have been made. So they probably don't carry that much of a charge. So you right. have to carry three times as much batteries just to get the same amount of power that you would a, a few years ago. Right. So it's just, it's ridiculous. They'd have to have entire groups of people dedicated to just carrying batteries. Yeah. They used to, in Lost, remember, they used to call like background actors log carrying guys, log carrying yeah. people, because they're all just walking around carrying logs. We need this show. We need battery carrying people. Yeah, maybe that's what the kids are for. You know, if you're going to make somebody carry a battery, you get a 12-year-old Make to do it the it. kids. The, it's just so stupid, though. Like, 
this is the friggin apocalypse, right? The society has ended. There's no power anymore, except from the occasional generator that you might find. But these idiot showrunners have just ignored this. It's like they don't even consider this an apocalypse show, right? They just think this is a regular show where people are traveling around and they have all the resources that they need at their fingertips. You except know, when they don't. Except, well, yeah, except when they don't. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just driving me crazy. You you can you can let it, or at least I can let it go if it's if it's a once in a while thing, right? If they come across somewhere that happens to have a running generator and they can power up a fridge or whatever they need, you know, like or turn on the lights, like you know, something simple. It's just that that is not what this show is doing. The whole thing they've got going on here is a constant access to every resource they need. Yeah. Cameras, batteries, walkie-talkies. Whatever. Gasoline. You know, when they need gasoline, what happens? They find a gasoline farm. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then they lose it. (laughs) Yet they still have gasoline to get where they're going until it all falls off a bridge. But we'll get to that. Um and, but, you know, aside from all that, if you can move on from the fact that just making these videos and recording all the time is dumb, I think the worst part about the videos is we end up kind of watching people talk about having conversations instead of actually having conversations. There's a scene, there's a part in this episode where Al is filming Morgan and she asks him about wanting to tell Grace something. We yeah. all know what it is. Uh Um, then we cut to Grace and it's Al asking Grace or sorry, it's Grace saying, well, do you know what it was he wanted to talk to me about? And I just, I'm just like, come on, just get Morgan and Grace in a room together and talk or don't talk. Like there's drama to be had there. I don't understand why we have to have it from these two sides where it's not even really the conversation that should be taking place. It's it's bad writing. (laughs) Oh, that's horrible writing. And they've reduced, uh, they've reduced Daniel to a one note character. I mean, the first oh. question he asked about, uh, when they were going to, uh, the Dan- uh, something's Gulch, what's that called? Humbug's Gulch. Humbug's Gulch. It's like, oh, do they have a barber shop? It's like, he's more than just a barber. He's a torturer. Yeah. And a singer. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that is sort of stupid, but they haven't given Daniel anything to do really significantly in a while. And and haven't given anybody to do anything significant. Like, look, everybody's been reduced to, uh, you know, their primary uh, note, like Daniel and uh, John Dory and June and even Morgan. uh, Everybody's been reduced to uh, when you need this style of thing said, go to this character Mm -hmm. and they will say it because that's what their purpose is. Instead of... uh, that's Instead a, of actually having characters talk like a human being would. That's actually a really good point when you think about it. Like June is all about finding a home. Yeah. Uh, John Dory has become about nothing other than being a partner to her, which is he's a comic. He's comic relief. Well, yeah, he's comic relief, actually. Um, Morgan is about nothing more than trying to move from the past to the future <laughs> sort yep. of and get over his you know over the loss of his family and you know alicia god i, I have no idea what alicia is anymore she's she's a tree painter i'm like that's an art form of some kind that really is all encompassing of a you know a spirit yeah 
This I need to paint trees. I got to carry this heavy fucking paint around with me everywhere because paint ain't light. I don't know if when the last time you carried a gallon of paint, but it's heavy. a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Like carrying a can of paint from Home Depot to your car is quite enough. Thank you very much. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. I just, I don't understand. So all she wants to do out of life is paint trees. Yeah. <laughs> That's where she's at right now. Anyways, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, the whole point I think of this episode was to, to kind of show us how much quote unquote better Morgan, Morgan's group is than Ginny's group because I think they're sort of trying to show us, and I think I've said this last week or the week before, that these two groups are kind of trying to do the same thing, but from different different angles, right? And so that's what this episode was really about, showing us, well, Morgan's group, you know, they really want to help people. They don't kill anyone, whereas Ginny's group does. And so Morgan's, they go on this detour this time to help Grace at the expense of all their fuel. You know, they prioritize someone's well-being over the resort, the limited resource they have to get where they're, where they're going. And that's something that Ginny would never do. If someone's, if someone's not pulling their weight or someone's dragging them down, I think she kind of cuts them loose or kills them. Yeah. And that's, that's new information, right? That, uh, they, they help kill people that are, or they get rid of people that aren't useful. I, I think it is, but I also started thinking about what has Ginny done that has them so upset? Like, is it just me that doesn't really get this? No, I don't get it. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, because like they distrust her so much and they're so anti doing things her way, which culminates in the final scene of the episode. But I mean, okay, sure. She killed Logan. That's bad. I mean, killing people generally considered bad, but I feel like she also made a very fair deal at the oil fields. You know, she wanted them. Yes, she wanted to take them, but she said, look, I, we need someone to stay here and, and run this for us. So you take a huge tanker of gas and go about your merry way. Otherwise she could have just killed them all, yep. you know? So I feel like that was a fair ish deal. Um, she fixed Morgan's stick. She let Al and him go, you know, just go on your way. I, you know, she talks a lot, but has she done anything really that bad? Well, now in this episode, she did. She, you know, she saw that they were in trouble and in her um, omnipotent eye, what's that called where you have, uh, you know, the camera knows everything, even though the characters don't. Is it omnipotent eye? Yeah, that works. Yeah. Yeah. So she has that because she seems to know everything that's going on everywhere. She just happens to, because she has little birds that tell her uh, uh-huh. all the little secrets so that they don't have to explain how she happens to be there or happens to know uh, any bit of information. She just says, well, I have people follow her, keeping an eye on you. So, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. But she shows up, right, to help them across the bridge. Like, if you need some help, we'll give you some help. It's like, no, we don't want any help. So she fires, gets the guys to fire into the air to call a herd to uh, harass them. So that's the evilest thing she's done to our group so far. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that for sure. But and that's, a, that's an asshole move, right? It's totally an asshole move. Absolutely. It's like, uh, it's like when you're playing pool and, uh, they're the, your opponent's last ball is right near the hole and you take your shot to knock that ball away from the hole. Like it's, <laughs> it's perfectly fair. It's perfectly valid, but it's an asshole thing to do. You do have to hit your own, like an eight ball, you have to hit your own color first though, right? 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, in eight ball, star stripes or solids, you have to hit what you're shooting at first. Okay, well, you can do that then. I don't know about pool. I don't like pool. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a competitive game, and I don't particularly like competitive games. Most are. <laughs> I know it's a problem. Okay. Um. <laughs> anyways, you know what? But even before she shot up in the air like that to draw all those zombies, like our group was is so just dead set against her. And I get that she's considered a villain and they don't like her. I just don't see exactly what she's done to this point to warrant that kind of hostility. That's all. Yeah, she's unlikable. She's unlikable for sure. But, and she killed one guy who our group didn't really like that much anyways. Well, his whole group, like it wasn't just, it wasn't just Logan. Okay. Yeah. It was all those people. Fair enough. But, but for, for all I can tell her whole deal is just kind of coming across as an amped up version of what our characters, our heroes are, are trying to do. But honestly, both groups have this, have a bit of a help you, whether you like it or not attitude, you know, which, which I think is kind of what we're supposed to think that Morgan and everybody is so, um, against, right? Right. Yeah. But, but I feel like they're doing that as well, just with a slightly softer touch. I don't know. So. Yeah. It's, we got some more information about the, the settlers. Is that what they're called? Or the pioneers, the paddlers, what are they called? It's the, um, uh, settlers, the settlers. Right. <laughs> so we got some more information like, uh, you know, if you're not useful, uh, you get kicked out or killed or you're, you know, you're, uh, I guess killed because mm-hmm. they, they spent a lot of time hunting down that guy when he was what? Not useful anymore. That was his crime. Yeah. Tom. Tom, they really spent a lot of resources trying to find that guy who was no longer useful. Like, that's a shitty thing to do. It is. I guess so, yeah. if I mean, if you don't like the guy, you don't find him any use, just let him go. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. You don't have to hunt him down, right? Yeah. You know, that's, you know, the, the old adage, if you love something, let it go. If it comes back, it's yours. If it doesn't, you hunt it down and kill it. <laughs> okay. Well, I suppose that's what they're doing then. <laughs> Right. That's how know. that saying goes, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, in you know, overall though, I I I found that pretty unsatisfying and boring, unfortunately, to you know watch these people talk about what they want to do instead of actually doing it. And I and I get that characters have to talk, right? They do need to talk. There needs to be exposition sometimes. But how many times do we need to hear over and over and over again how much better it would be if they just helped each other and you know we can help you why don't you want to join us can't you see we do things the better way come on and i feel like we've been getting that just ad nauseum for episodes now with very little else going on well isn't that how society works in general though that uh you know we want to help but we want to help you to be like us and if Mm. you don't want us to help you to be like us, we're going to, uh, we're going to piss in your pool. I mean, you may have a point there. It, it is a problem sometimes in society that people can't, you know, see past their own front yard or whatever the statement is. And, and yeah. it's hard to understand people who do things a different way. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's an, it's an old adage that why can't we all just get along? Because we're all different people and we're all assholes and we all want other people to be like us. Yeah, 
<laughs> you may, you're right about that, I suppose, but it, I don't think it makes for interesting TV. Certainly not when we have the same conversations over and over again. Well, yes and no. Like it can make for interesting TV. When you take the zombie apocalypse or the horror movie that you're making or the apocalypse movie that, or any movie or television show that you're making and you make it an allegory of real life, it can be, it can be good. It can be really annoying, but it can also be very good. Yeah. Like zombies being the inevitable march of death that's always coming towards you, no matter what you do, death will always find you. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, having that as an allegory or having that as a, a premise for a television show or a movie would be great. Or, you know, even zombies as uh, consumerism, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so that can be good. But having, you know, the shitty human beings as an allegory for shitty human beings is kind of boring. It's kind of boring. Um, and written poorly. I have a clip here from, uh, Alicia from this episode. Oh, a clip. We don't do clips. No, occasionally we do. Um, and this one just jumped out at me so hard when I watched this episode. I want you to listen to this scene. Okay. When we find our new home, I mean, what are you going to do? I kind of hope I get the chance to keep doing this. What does painting do for you? I don't know, when we first started, I hoped finding the artist would help me. You know, it was what I, it was how I wanted to be, if that makes sense. If art makes sense, I mean. But it's, it's kind of the only thing that makes sense to me. That passed as, as a written scene, Jason. That no, that, that didn't have a script. No, I that feel was, like she was making that up on the spot. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while I talk like that as well. And when I'm done talking like that, I apologize for it. Because <laughs> I was, you know, I, I'm doing it now. It's just, it's just stammering and uh, ha- half finished thoughts. And it's very annoying. And that can't have been written down and then polished and then reviewed and then got the showrunner stamp of approval and then went to the director and the director went, I know exactly how to film that. And then the actors got it and they did it all. And they, then the editor got a hold of it and they got together in a room and all went, yeah, that's really good. Let's put that on the air. And then it made it to the air. That that can't happen. No, I don't think so either. Yet somehow it did. She's, well, she's, what I can see is, okay, just ad lib this idea. And she went on and on and on about, you know, and stammering on about uh, various odds and ends about painting trees. And I hope I get the chance to paint trees because when I first started looking for the guy who painted trees, that meant that painting trees was like painting trees. And I thought that that was really tree painting. Yeah. So that would have been better. I would have liked that better. You, uh, <laughs> you, you just did a better job than, than she did. And I'm. Yeah. Sorry, Alicia didn't carry, but it was terrible. <laughs> well, maybe it was ad-libbed and they didn't have a choice. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of. I don't know. It's like, Cut it out. Put then. that on. <laughs> no, because then they would run short and they didn't have enough ad money to have another commercial in there. It's like, well, we got no more advertisers. We're, uh, we, we have to fill this time and everything else is worse. So we have to put that in. Yeah. Well, that's where we're at. It sounds like Every, everything else is worse than that. We're putting the, the least tra- worst stuff in the episode. They could have, could have made the transitions longer. Like when they fade to black and then come out, just make the black another second. <laughs> Do that like four times, 14 times over the course of the episode. There you go. 
<laughs> that would have worked. I would have worked for me. I would have enjoyed, you know, black screen better than that. Yeah, I think so. All right, well, let's keep moving on here. Bill, who's frustrated in New Jersey, writes, Throughout the episode, I was hoping Grace would die and that it would send Morgan off the deep end into some kind of rampage where he would indiscriminately kill off all of these minor characters that we keep adding, destroy all of Al's cameras until John Dory puts a bullet in his head. Then maybe we can get back to some kind of decent show. I'd watch that. (laughs) Yeah, I would too. (laughs) Um, There was an article that came out last week titled something along the lines of, you know, Walking Dead needs to kill off 95% of its characters. And just start over if they're going to keep going at all. Um, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it came up on my, you know, Walking Dead news alerts. So I think that's kind of what Bill's getting at here. He is proposing a way to do that. Have Morgan go crazy, kill everybody, and then John Dory kills Morgan. And we end up with John Dory running the show. John Dory, June. I would take uh, Rabbi, I forget his name already. Kessner, uh, Jacob. Kessner. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would like him to stay on the show. Uh, yeah, we could pare this down by 95%. I'd be okay with that. Me too. I Kill think. Jeannie though. That She's got to go. She's got to go. Got to go. Um, in, in, now speaking of June, there's, I have a nitpick scene I want to mention. When Grace gets sick again and she's, she's unconscious, June comes in and June is feeling her pulse and she said her blood pressure is low. And I, I want to know, is that a thing, Jason? Can you tell someone's blood pressure is low by feeling their pulse in their neck? Uh, no. Well, I mean, you can, you can, what, what I, TV shows when they, uh, like an ER and TV shows about medical dramas, mm-hmm. they say that somebody's pulse is thready. Oh. I'm not sure quite what that means, but I think that is something along the lines of their pulse is not very strong. Right. It doesn't mean that their blood pressure is low, but I don't know what thready means, but I think that's maybe what she meant. Well, I that's what I think she meant too. Her Her pulse is weak or slow or something like that, right? And she said her blood pressure is low. And again, this is just lack of attention to detail. Now, I'm no doctor. Maybe you can tell if someone's blood pressure is low just by feeling the pulse in their neck or somewhere else. But if that's the case, like, you know, how come I got to sit there and have my blood pressure taken with that squeezy thing for every time I go to the doctor? Yeah. Um, Maybe it's just more accurate. But anyways, I just... Well, they can put numbers around it, right? Oh, like yeah. the okay. diastolic and systolic pressure. Yeah. Uh, the difference between when your heart pumps and when it's not pumping. Uh, so that's what blood pressure is. But I don't think you can tell from a pulse. No, I don't think so. And it, I, I know it's a nitpick, but it bothered me because it's indicative of just them not caring enough to write the right line or, or even knowing that it's wrong, I feel like. Okay, so this is how you solve this problem. You know how you have the blood pressure cuff and it, it amps up the pressure so that they can check yeah. uh, your, your your blood pressure? Yes. So what June needed to do was to strangle Grace to apply the pressure that she needed in order to tell if her blood pressure was high or low. Well, perfect. That would have fit right into Bill's email. Grace gets yeah. strangled to death and Morgan's right there and goes well, not crazy. Not necessarily to death. I mean, maybe to unconsciousness, but... I think uh, she was already, necessarily dead. Already so, unconscious. Yeah, when, if you, yeah, strangling somebody. I've been strangled to the point where I've been unconscious. It was, I was playing with my brother and it was fun. Yeah, he sounds like a fun guy. <laughs> oh yeah, he was a fun guy. Uh, I peed myself because when you lose consciousness, you just let your bladder go. Like I, you know, I peed myself. So you strangle somebody to check their blood pressure until they pee themselves and then you let go and then they come back to life. 
Well, don't try that out there at home, folks. Please don't try that at home. That was, in retrospect, that was scary as hell. Very bad idea. And then they have an ultrasound machine, which I guess they brought from the mall? Uh, yeah, I assume so. I guess. But, and again, they can run the ultrasound machine in the back of the truck. What's it plugged into? Who knows? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Camera batteries. Yeah, sure. Camera batteries. <laughs> I assume an ultrasound machine requires... Uh, well, does it require more power? Than, can you just plug it into a regular outlet? Yeah, probably. I, I bet it doesn't or does require... it take like a, a stove outlet, like the 240 outlet? Nah. It's just... It's, I don't think it takes a lot of power at all. It's just... It, it takes power. That is the point. And yeah. it's a... And it's a precision instrument. It's not something you want to drag around in the back of a truck. No. And most people... I don't know. If you found a doctor's office and it was just you and it was the zombie apocalypse and you went in there, would you sort of know what to do to take the ultrasound machine? I don't know if you would. To take it? I mean, it's on wheels, right? All the ultrasound machines I've ever seen have all been on wheels. You just unplug it and wheel it out. and Away you go. Okay. I wouldn't know what to do with it. There's like a plethora of like knobs and dials and shit. And then even when I'm looking at stuff with the ultrasound, I'm like, is that a head? Yeah. It kind of looks like his head because, you know, pregnancy yes. ultrasounds. It's like, I think that's a leg. Who knows? Who but, knows? And I'm, I, you know, I'm trying to, every time the, the technician would go anywhere near being able to tell whether it was a boy or a girl, because we didn't know until Jasper was born what the gender was. So I, I would look away from the screen. Like I could fucking tell what the gender would be No, uh, on an ultrasound. But I would still look away in case somehow I magically knew. Yeah, no. So I guess June knows how to use an ultrasound machine and what to look for. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't... Um, I have a problem with the fact that she might know what to look for. She could could have some experience there. What um, was June in the prior to Apocalypse? Oh, was she a nurse? I, I'm forgetting now. I sure hope so because she's doing kinds of all kinds of nursey stuff. If she can tell blood pressure from a pulse, yeah, and being able to use an ultrasound machine like that's not easy. That's like uh, uh, a reporter knowing how to disarm landmines. <laughs> that's just crazy. That's just crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I forget what she was, but she might've been something along those lines. That's why she's, uh, she's doing this. Um, she's probably a party planner, a party planner. Therefore, you know how to use, a <laughs> an ultrasound machine. You pick up a lot of skills as a party planner. I bet you. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I, I quickly got her on the walking dead wiki prior to the outbreak. Uh, she was an ICU nurse. Oh, okay. And well, that makes perfect sense. Working at a hospital. She saw enough, uh, you know, uh, medical stuff. And so she knew how to do it. So that's fine. That makes sense. So okay. my problem is simply that they can run the ultrasound machine. Yeah. Okay. There you she go. knows how to use it. She still can't tell blood pressure from a, from a pulse. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> if she had a, you know, blood pressure cuffs and a stethoscope are, you know, not high, really high tech pieces of equipment like an ultrasound machine. So if they were at a doctor's office in a mall, they could have probably grabbed a stethoscope and a blood pressure cuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would find that much more believable. Or at least one of those machines at the pharmacy that uh, you stick your arm in and it gives you a free blood pressure check. Sure. <laughs> I, I mean, if they're going to take everything else, why not take one of those too? Yeah, they're probably not on wheels, so. No, they're probably more stationary not. than uh, ultrasound machines. All right. Well, let's continue here with a call from our friend Gemma. Hi, uh, Chris and Jason. This is Gemma calling from South Wales. As soon as they started doing the found footage thing again, I I think I just tuned out. I was like, 
uh, I, I just can't deal with this. I can't. Like, we've already done this. And I think the bit with the bridge and um, Jenny confronting them and then all the walkers come in and whatnot, like, that would have been quite good in my eyes if they hadn't filmed it through that idiot, Tom. Like, what? It was just so bizarre. I just, when he died, I was just like, you deserved that, dude. Like, like, put the camera down. You don't need to record all this. This is not relevant. This is not, a re this, like, basically they're recording things as another recruitment video to kind of offset Ginny's, like, propaganda. But, like, having her show up and attack them, I don't think that's very good marketing. So, just put the camera down. So when he's still still lying in, the bridge is collapsing, and he falls in, I'm like, well, you know what? You deserve that. So there's no sympathy for you as a character at all. I actually think I laughed. All right, I'll see you next week for the finale. Thank God. And then on to Walking Dead. So thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks, Gemma, for that. Mm. So what do you think about Tom dying on the bridge, Jason? Did you feel a thing for that guy? No, it was obvious he was going to die, even when it was over and he got up and uh, it's like, phew, that was close. I mean, come on, that's a that's a gotcha that's coming a mile away. It was so telegraphed, it was horrible. Yeah. And yeah, Gem is right. You know, don't go back for the camera. Uh, you know, there's uh, things, things are not worth your life. I don't care what they are. I'm, if my house was burning down, I would run back in to save... Uh, any one of my family or pets, I would not run back in to save uh, a prized Lego uh, item, even though I'd really want to, I'd really think about it, but I don't think I would do it because, you know, ultimately it's replaceable. The camera with, uh, with footage on it, yeah, the footage is not going to be replaceable, but if they can retrieve the camera after he falls into the river mm -hmm. and dies, you can just toss the camera. It's like, fuck it, okay, you know, you're running across the bridge and you pick up the camera, you just toss it into the river and then continue running across the bridge. Yep. Because obviously they can get it later. Yeah. Well, Tom, it, I, I hated it. it. It was just so stupid, everything about it. He, he dies. Nobody cares. I mean, as well, viewers. His sister kind of cared. Oh, I, you, that's fine. But like as viewers, nobody cares. Oh, no, cares. we didn't care. No. He's a new character introduced just to kill him off, obviously, uh -huh. because they're not killing any of the main characters. Um, I don't know. Maybe they don't have the balls to kill the main characters since they knocked off Nick and Madison. They just didn't like them, I guess. They need to kill some of these main characters. Yeah. They need to. It's it's a prerequisite for getting this show back on track. N nobody gives a shit about Tom or the relationship with his sister. And I'm not saying that's, that couldn't come in time, but right now nobody gives a shit. We don't know these people. We've, they're brand new. I mean, sure. They're supposed to be people. And I guess we should feel bad that people are dead, but you know, this is a TV show. You have to give us something to latch onto with a character, which we, we haven't got with either of these two funny coincidence that, you know, the woman in the, truck stop that was saved by Wes is the sister that uh, Tom was looking for, but eh, that doesn't really do much for me. Well, you know, the planet's not, planet's not that big, right? It's fairly big, but coincidences happen. Of course. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, you know, that's fine. That's, that's okay. I have no problem with that coincidence happening, but we just got nothing else from these two. And now Tom is dead and, 
yeah, he goes out in such a dumb way trying to continue filming. Like he's, he's bought into this Al's filming mentality quicker than anybody in the history of the universe because he's basically laid down his life for it. And I don't know. It just, none of that worked for me. Um, I'll play a call here from Lee uh, about some of this stuff. And then I want to talk about the bridge scene a little bit more. Okay. Hey gentlemen, this is Lee. And, uh, the last episode of fear, I mean, what the fuck? Like that was the absolute worst episode I have ever seen on this show. I fucking hated it. Nobody dies on this show anymore. Like they have totally taken a really good show that you didn't know if, you know, uh, Madison was going to die or Al- Alicia was going to die, but now it's like all the main crew, they are safe. And the other 35 people they've got, they're all wearing red shirts in Star Trek because any of them can go. And that's probably what's going to happen with the new chick from the, from the settlers. She's going to kill off some of the other ones because they're not helpful or the kids or something. And then our main core will go kick ass. But it just, I don't get it. The writing on this is just dumb. It, it bugs me so much. I, hated this episode i hope you guys kind of liked it but chat about it bye (laughs) sorry lee didn't really like it at all no i'm not sure if i was i'm as passionate as you are lee but i didn't like it either yeah so the bridge jason um i want to say that i actually overall don't have a huge problem with the bridge as a set piece. I don't think there's anything wrong with the concept or what they were going for. You know, they're on the road, they're trying to move, they come to a bridge. It's the only way to go, but it's in a state of disrepair. So they get into trouble crossing the bridge and they have to scramble to try to save themselves. Meanwhile, there's zombies attacking. The bridge is coming apart. Uh, you know, bridge cabling is supposed to be whipping around in a very dangerous way. I don't mind any of that. And the way it was shot, I thought was actually pretty good. It felt like a battle scene in a war movie to me, right? There's smoke happening. It's all, um, it's sort of high tension. There's, there's, there's chaos all over the place. It's just that all of that was kind of surrounded by a bunch of crap, like having Tom sacrifice himself and the season or the scene before where Ginny summons all the zombies to them and then just drives away. And, you know, um, so Like, on its own, I think that was an okay scene. And there were a couple of, like, long, unbroken shots where the camera's swinging around and you see characters running and then you see some other character killing some zombies. I thought some of that was actually pretty well done. I liked some of those long shots and it it added to the chaos of it all. It's just too bad that it was sort of surrounded by so much garbage. Which which took away my enjoyment from it a little bit, you know, or a lot. Well, you're a better man than I for uh, being able to recognize something that was at least minimal quality compared to the rest of the episode. Like I had, uh, the only thing I liked about this entire episode was a single moment. Uh, you know, it wasn't an, even an entire scene. Yeah. So I applaud you for being able to, uh, uh, to appreciate the scene. What was your single moment? Well, it was John Dory when he was asking Morgan oh. to be his uh, uh, his best man. Oh, so it wasn't even part of this bridge scene. Uh, that came, oh, God, no. That came after, right? It came after, yeah, when they were all walking. Yeah. Like, I actually kind of enjoyed the fact that they were all reduced to, like, hiking it and uh, having to walk a long way. Well, finally. I mean, 
having to actually go somewhere on foot instead of plane or balloon or whatever, you know, that's, I, I appreciated that too. Some of the cinematography during that hike was actually pretty good too. Some big wide overhead shots and stuff. I thought it looked pretty nice. Did we have any walkie talkies in this episode? Um, I don't recall a walkie talkie being used. Well, that would be quite something. Because all of our heroes were all in the same place at the same time for the entire episode. Right. And then when Ginny shows up, she drives up in a, in a Jeep. She doesn't have to go on the walkie. So, I don't think there was a walkie talkie. Well, that's, that's something new. I mean, that's something that's to the, celebrate. That's the best part of this episode. <laughs> there you go. Um, Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey wrote in, he writes, the bridge was collapsing because there were 30-ish people on it. Yet, they thought that by repairing the hole, using convenient boards that were sitting around, I guess, um, that a tanker truck was going to be able to drive over it. <laughs> so that's uh -huh. example number one of something stupid. He has another one here. Wasn't the whole point of employing, of emptying the tanker so that they would have gas for the cars that already went over the bridge. So why not drive as many as possible to the gulch? You only need about a gallon per vehicle. <laughs> and, and this is what I'm talking about. Like, bridge scene by itself, good. Stuff like this makes no sense and is dumb. Yeah. No, it was dumb. <laughs> it was dumb. Fair enough. All right. Um, we got a little bit more here. Uh, let's see... Let's talk about the end, Jason. So they get to, after the walk, they get to Humbug's, Humbug's Gulch. Gulch. Yeah. And sadly, it is overrun with zombies. It's not overrun. Well, it's... It is filled with zombies, conveniently, you know, fenced in and enclosed. Right. And this is why the only note I wrote down here about the end is, I don't buy it. They got there. And yes, it's not a great situation, but I don't think it is an insurmountable one. No, there's, uh, first of all, Ginny, obviously, uh, the settlers, the settlers obviously filled this humbug's gulch with zombies, uh, because she knows everything. So she knows where they were going and what they were planning on doing. So she got there ahead of them and filled the thing with zombies. Are you sure about that? That never occurred to me. Well, I just, I have to think of her, you know, perfect, um, perfect vision, uh, knowing everything about what everybody's doing and planning to do so that she can be there. Uh, she knew what they were planning to do. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. I, I don't Did they know. decide to go to Humbug's Gulch before the bridge or after? Um, it was when they decided to go there when John Dory found the sheriff's badge on a dead zombie. I think that was before the bridge. So Jen, Jenny knew what their plans were because she knows what they're thinking. Okay, well, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that may be true. Maybe she went and filled the place with zombies. That never occurred to me before. I thought it was just, you know, there were a bunch of people there during the outbreak. Maybe they were living there. Something went bad and now the place is full of zombies. Yeah, but there was not, there was no zombies outside of the enclosed fence with all the closed gates and everything. Yeah. It was just filled with zombies. So that's absolutely not insurmountable. That is a perfect situation. If it was overrun by zombies, then there's no way they'd be able to get there because anytime they, uh, any chance they had of going in and starting to kill the zombies, they would just get surrounded and overrun. Mm -hmm. But now it's just perfectly filled. You create a little hole. 
they funnel all out through that little hole with, because you're banging pots and pans together or, you know, batteries, because you have so many batteries, you can just bang them together. Yeah. Uh, they might even charge a little bit after that. So you bang <laughs> whatever together and the, uh, and the zombies come out one or two or three or four at a time. And then you have your, uh, your group of people, uh, you know, tap them on the head so that they die. Well, James and Blind River wrote, once they reach the gulch, the crew are all waving their, their arms in defeat. The dead are confined within the fence, right? They all have weapons, guns, sticks, etc. It would be like the proverbial shooting fish in a barrel. Ten capable people taking out ten walkers each in an hour within the vicinity of the fence would clear that town to manageable levels in no time. Even thin them out by making loud noises at various points around the perimeter, they'd be easy to dispatch. And that's exactly it. And that's what you're saying. Like, we've seen our characters do these kinds of things before. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it would be easy. I'm not saying this is an ideal situation. They didn't even expect it on their way. But frankly, maybe they should have. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. Yeah, it, uh, it, it, it was easily surmountable. It's not the end of days. Like, it's not the end of the world. No. Uh, that they get there and it's like, oh, wow, it's overrun with zombies. I didn't expect there, there to be zombies in the zombie apocalypse. What yeah. are we going to do? Well, we better throw our hands up in the air and call Ginny and say, we need help. Right. Do the one thing that we're supposed to believe is like the absolute last resort. And it hurts them so much to do that. Like the amount of... Uh, I don't know, what's the word, like, uh, stress they were feeling about making this, oh, walkie-talkie, they used a walkie to call her. <laughs> oh, they did, they did, they did. Yeah. Okay, well, episode's ruined. Yeah, there you go. Um, just the amount of uh, trouble they had making this decision and seeming stress it put them under, calling her and saying, we need your help. I, I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah. it seemed like this was the absolute last resort for these characters and totally unnecessary getting to it. So I just, I didn't buy it. I didn't like the end. Uh, I'm not at this point really interested in where it's going and what's going to happen now. And like, are they so, are they going to be so beholden to her because now they're at her mercy I mean, that's, I think what they're going for, but it, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe, uh, two things are going to happen now, yeah. I think, or two things could happen. Uh, one, they let Dwight go so that he could be their ace in the hole and he could show up like Carol at Terminus and save all their lives when they absolutely need it and have no hope. Oh. So yeah. that's why, that's why Dwight left. The second thing is maybe they're going to merge with Ginny's crew and become the log carrying guys and that the entire show will transition to the, uh, the settlers from now on. No. Settlers win. It's now, uh, fear the walking dead settlers. I mean, I'd prefer it to just have the, the settlers show up and kill half the group and merge the rest in and then set up a community. And that's not exciting. So the show's canceled. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, canceled is probably not the worst thing that could happen to this show. Well, we're going to get season six. So something is going to happen next week what? that. Have they ever, has anybody ever, any television network, any ever greenlit a show and then pulled the fucking plug? Oh, probably. I don't know. They have. 
Okay. I, I, I can tell you that they have. All I right. mean, they, they've pulled the plug on stuff that's been greenlit. Gilligan's Island was all set to go for a fourth season. They were, they were ready to go, uh, but the head of the studio's uh, wife, uh, he, he, she preferred Gunsmoke instead of Gilligan's Island. So they canceled Gilligan's Island that year, even though they were already greenlit to go. Well, okay. So they've greenlit season six. Let's hope they pull the plug on that. I've never, Um, well, I mean, I can't say I've never, but a show that I watch regularly and like, obviously, I've never really desired for it to be canceled. I'm kind of at that point right now with this one. Yeah, and, I mean, and there's I shows bad. where I don't give a shit if it's canceled or not. I'm not going to watch it anymore. I've watched shows and just kind of fell out of watching sure. it. And and then was that canceled? I don't know. I guess, yeah, that was canceled eventually. I'm like, well, that's fine, I guess. But any show that I've actively watched, I've never wanted a show to be canceled. Yeah, I know. Until and, now. and Until it, now. It's weird. It's a weird feeling to actually want a show to be canceled. Yeah, I know. It is a, it is a very weird feeling. Uh, I've got one more email here before our title read that's going to wrap this up. But uh, this email comes from Paul the Designer in Wetston, UK. Wetston. Well, it looks like Whetstone, but he sent a pronunciation and he said Wetston. Oh, okay. Paul writes, Charlie is the only one with the right idea of finding a home. But of course, it's too similar to the plot of the main Walking Dead show. So instead, the showrunners are making characters do contradictory things to suit this convoy-based plot. Never in the history of the world have people survived that way. Groups become villages, villages become towns, towns become cities. The strongest survive, and when resources are at a premium, they open the opportunity to expand and invite others. We've seen this on the main show. The only traveling community that continues to survive is called an army, and they only survive until they meet a stronger opposing army. There is always conflict. If these people want peace, they won't find it traveling about through territories with unknown claims of ownership. Again, the best idea is to find a corner of the world, fortify, farm, organize, grow, and slowly expand. But as we already have this in abundance on The Walking Dead, fear will continue to be a conduit of terrible ideas. I thought that <laughs> even, was a great email, and I loved that last sentence. It was, uh, yeah, that was really good. And even nomads are not people that are always wandering around. They, you know, create their village, uh-huh. and then when the resources get scarce or the weather changes, they move to another location. It's not, uh, it's not that they don't have a home. It's that they take their home and move it as the situation uh, requires it. Yeah. So even our group are not nomads. They're just wanderers. They're they're wanderers. Yeah. And and to be fair, they've talked about their wandering in order to find somewhere to stay, and that's what they were doing, looking for Humbug's Gulch or deciding to go there, anyways. Um, but you know, I just think Paul's sort of summed up the show in the last little while is that it just none of this really makes a lot of sense, and um, yeah. it's a conduit of terrible ideas. It is. And I, speaking of wandering armies, uh, I think that I read or heard somewhere that World War II was the first war where more troops died in combat than of disease and dysentery and starvation. Really? Yeah. So a group of people just wandering around, uh, the mortality rate will be high. And so far, none of our wanderers 
uh, have encountered anything other than just, geez, am I ever tired of walking? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And even that, <laughs> I'm not sure we've, we've had much of. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to end here with our title read from Damien in Virginia. That just turned out awful. (laughs) (laughs) I think, thank you, Damien, for that. That is, of course, a clip from Family Guy. But I think that it actually sums things up pretty, pretty well. It's Channel 5. The whole thing was a clip from Family Guy? Yeah, it's the Channel 5 news theme from the Family Guy TV show. Oh, okay. I should watch more of Family Guy. I I don't know. I haven't watched it in a long time, but... uh, it was funny, I thought, first of all, and it referenced helping people through and through. And yep. then at the very end, holy shit, that turned out awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should watch more uh, more Family Guy. I, th- I figured that the Channel 5 uh, jingle there was uh, very well produced. Uh-huh. So I thought Damon was either a genius or took it from somewhere legit. Yeah. But uh, if it's coming from a, you know, from Family Guy. Uh, it's not quite legit, but the production value is awesome. Sure. All right. Well, fair enough. I just, uh, I was, I heard Peter Griffin there and I was just, uh, I just finished watching the first two seasons of, uh, uh, the Orville, Uh which has, what's his name? Who does Peter Griffin? Seth MacFarlane. That's it. And, uh, so my, I'm having a hard time marrying, uh, Peter Griffin with that voice right now. That's the captain of the Orville. Sure. In my mind. That character that said that at the end though, was the news anchor, maybe voiced by the Seth MacFarlane. Oh yeah. Voiced by, okay. Same guy. I don't watch, I should really watch more, uh, animated television. Like I don't watch the Simpsons anymore. I don't, I never really watched Futurama, which I I admit I should have. Mm -hmm. Uh, and even family guy. Uh, I watched the first few seasons, but fell out of that. Was that canceled? That's still going, is it? I think it was canceled and then brought back. And it, I don't know if it's still going now, but it's had a lot of seasons, not to the level of Simpsons. But you're right. I don't watch any of that stuff either anymore. But I watched the first eight, nine seasons of Simpsons pretty hardcore. Oh, yeah. I remember them all. I can quote the first eight, nine seasons of The Simpsons from Heart. Oh, yeah. Part of, I, I know those episodes so well that Jasper's going to know them well, without ever having to see them. It all comes full circle because you know them that well, and so do I, because we are people of a certain age. <laughs> we are people of a certain age. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that is going to do it. Before we wrap up here, I would like to thank people who have supported the podcast. And this week, it's just Paul N., who recently upped his Patreon amount. So thank you very much, Paul. That is great. Um, And if if you want to be like Paul, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead and make a monthly pledge to help out with the podcast. And, um, you know, all the funds collected pretty much go into the costs associated with putting on this show. So we appreciate that very much. If Patreon is not your thing, you can also make a one-time donation by visiting TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash PayPal and doing it that way. That means it's not a regular subscription. It's just a one-time thing. So 
talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal to do that. Thank you so much to everyone who contributes and helps support the show. And thanks to everybody who listens to us. All right, Jason, next week is the final episode of Fear the Walking Dead season five. It is called End of the Line. Thank God. So if you want to do a title read for us, please do so. Record yourself reading End of the Line. Send it in. And then after that, we have no breathing room. We jump right the following week into the new season of The Walking Dead. And at this point, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm not mentally geared up enough for that right now, but I'm working on it. I'll start working on it right now to right. mentally prepare myself. Good, 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 good. Um, but of course, like I said, we're, we are going to podcast about the final episode of Fear Season 5 next week. So when you see it, and whether it's amazing or terrible, send us in your thoughts. And you can do that by visiting our Facebook page if you want, facebook.com slash Dead. Or visiting the website and clicking on send voicemail at the top to record a message to get to us. Uh, you can also, of course, send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And I will you know, include some of it on the program next week if I can. So those are all the ways to get in touch with us. End of the line coming up next week. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing, I, I have a morbid fascination to see if they're going to pull off some kind of great final episode. I, I, I don't, I, I think it's within the realm of possibility. I just don't think it's very likely. Well, it's one of the, it's uh, Schrodinger's Schrodinger's cat box experiment, right? right? It doesn't exist yet. So it's neither good nor bad. Could go yet. either way but it will resolve into reality next week and then we'll find out for sure. Right now it's both good and bad, okay. but we don't know uh, if that's true. All right. Well, we will find out next week and then we'll talk about it here. So until then, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Be like Paul, y'all. <laughs>